sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide Hayward-Mills is the wife of Bishop Doug Hayward-Mills, presiding bishop and founder of the Lighthouse Chapel International. And healing, she's also a healing Jesus Crusade evangelist. She's an attorney by profession, but she serves under her husband's ministry as a full-time pastor. And her duties include managing the Lighthouse Mission Schools, the Lighthouse Orphanage, and the Ministry to the Blind, Deaf, and Beggars. She's an international conference speaker, preaching on all topics to all people, irrespective of gender or age, to bring encouragement to the discouraged, help to the hopeless, and strength to the weak. She's also a mother of four. Ladies and gentlemen, can I ask us to be upstanding and welcome her with a clap offering. Thank you, Hallelujah. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for this time. Your word says, unto you shall the gathering of the people be. This morning we are gathered in your presence. Speak to us. Speak to us as of the oracles of God. Lord, anoint this vessel and let the word of God go forth and accomplish the reason for which you are sending it this morning. Thank you for your anointing and your grace under which I minister. In Jesus' name, amen. Please take your seats. Happy Mother's Day to all mothers. I remember some years ago preaching in my church on Mother's Day and then encouraging people to please call their mothers and wish them Happy Mother's Day and all that, only to find out as the day wore on that I myself had not called my mother. So, um, and when I called her, she said, oh, God has given me many more children than you. People started calling me at dawn, and you are now calling me. So I want to say that mothering is not just physical or biological, because when Rebecca was leaving home after she was going to be betrothed to Isaac, one of the blessings was become a mother of millions, amen? And biologically, it's impossible, even if you are John Wesley's mother who had 19 children, it is impossible to have a million children. So in effect, what they were saying is, let your life affect millions and let your legacy outlive you. And today we are here because of people like 
Rebecca, and all the mothers who stood in times past. So I want to encourage you that don't let your mothering be just me, myself, and I, but let it be the nurturing of many more. Amen. So happy Mother's Day. I have some friends who have told me in the past that Mother's Day comes with mixed feelings because some people have been waiting on God to be mothers in the biological sense. But I think that there's a lot of fulfillment in being a mother to many. Like my mother, she wasn't waiting for me, the biological daughter, to call her. She had got many others. And then also for some of us who don't have living mothers, we overrate them sometimes. Because my mother is alive, but you know my life of having four children, she has never been by me before because she was always busy attending some conference or other. When I had my first child, she was in the UK and I was in Switzerland, but she said she was too busy to come over. When I had my second child, she was in Finland. The third one, she was in Denmark. And the fourth one, she was somewhere in the world. And she was never there to even help birth my children, not because she's a mean mother, but because she was a busy mother. And I said to her, if you were my stepmother, I would have said, because you are my stepmother, you don't care when I'm giving birth, you never come when I'm, but because you are my biological mother, I understand you and I make excuses for you. And even when she would come and I'm bathing my baby, she would stand and say, oh, you do so well. That's it. <laughs> so some of you who don't have mothers think, oh, if my mother were alive, she would do this and she would do that. My mother is alive and well. Very caring, we are the best of buddies, but she's very busy, very, very busy. As I speak, she's not even here, you know? So don't overrate. When your mother is not alive, you super imagine how life would have been. But by God's grace, some of us, our mothers are alive, and we still don't have what you would call the super mom, but I'm still very grateful for her because she has nurtured me into who I have become. Amen. Amen. So please, don't overrate and don't underrate because, oh, because she's not my real mother, she's doing this and that. It's not so. The Bible says, honor your father and your mother that it may be well with you and that you may live long. I get upset with God sometimes, especially when he says, honor your fathers, because I counsel so many people who have not been well treated by their fathers, but God says we should honor them. He didn't say honor your mother who looked after you. Honor your mother that you have a fantastic relationship with, but he says honor your mother, period. I, God, have said that, that you may live long. So could it be that some of us are shortening our lives by our relationship with our parents, and then that it may be well with you. Sometimes it's not well with you because this scripture is being fulfilled in your life. But from today, after this service, go and call your mother, cease fire, no more fighting. Amen. Amen. I just want to speak to you quickly about notable things about the Titus 2 woman. Notable things about the Titus 2 woman. Shall we go to Titus chapter 2? I hope you know where Titus is. Many of us, we know how to find other things. We know where to find the latest weaver and the latest dress, but the books of the Bible, no way. But when Satan comes attacking you, it's not the quality of your weaver or how nice your dress is, 
but it is your dust say the Lord and the spoken word, which is the sword of the spirit. That's what will get us through. Amen. Titus chapter 2. Verse 3. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. Why? That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands. Why? That the word of God be not blasphemed. Amen. Now, Paul is writing to Titus. And before that, he has said that, I left you, Titus, in Crete so that you will put things in order. And in putting things in order, he tells Titus, one of the things is that you must start a mentoring program in the church in Crete. Amen? And he's saying that older women should teach younger women. And this is a form of mothering, whether we like it or not, whether informal or formal. Amen, somebody? And in saying that older women should teach younger women, I don't think that it's only age. Because the Bible gives certain qualifications. And also because people like Mary, the mother of Jesus, they went to grown-up women like Elizabeth. And Elizabeth was able to say, who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? So Elizabeth could defer to a younger woman based on the grace of God and the calling of God on that younger woman. Amen. But some of us become so carnal in our thinking that we feel that only people older than us can nurture us. But mothering can go both ways. Amen. And Paul, in writing to Titus, says that the older women should teach the younger women. But he qualifies the type of older women. He says that there are three things the older women must meet, three qualifications, before they can teach the younger women. Amen? And what are those three? They be in behavior as becometh holiness. Not false accusers, not given to much wine, and teachers of good things. Four things. They be in behavior, so the behavior of the older woman would qualify her to teach a younger woman. If the older woman is walking in godliness, Paul says behavior has become holiness, which is a word we don't like these days. But the Bible says without holiness, no man will see God. I didn't write the Bible. Amen? And it's saying that the first qualification of an older woman who should nurture a younger woman is holiness in behavior. Because it's not just words. The Bible says, show me your faith by your works. And when the Holy Spirit truly comes to live in us, it should bear the fruits of the Spirit. 
but I am sometimes skeptical about the type of spirit that's dwelling in us because we are not seeing the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, which is gone. We don't want to suffer at all, let alone suffer long. But the Bible says it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes to live in us, it comes often, it is a seed. Even the word of God is a seed, but it grows. And then when it grows, it becomes a tree. And then when it becomes a tree, it bears fruit. And when it bears fruit, it becomes a blessing to other people. So a holy woman who in behavior is preaching by her, her life is somebody that is apt to teach. Secondly, they should not be false accusers. I think that as you grow older, you see a lot of bad things. So you easily lose trust and you easily don't trust people because you have seen the ways of men before. And because of that, you can easily become a false accuser without intending to sign up to the job. And Paul is saying, if you are such a false accuser, then we cannot nurture the younger generation. Amen? Not giving too much wine. In all my entire life, I've never seen a woman drunk before. And whenever I say it, my pastors say, oh, wow, really? Where have you been? They are there. But when I went to Zambia, the women drink a lot, but they drink discreetly. They put it in teapots. <laughs> so you would think that they are having a tea time, but they are actually binging big time, not giving too much wine. And most of the time, it also reflects on self-control. A woman who is self-controlled, not other-controlled. Not that somebody should come and control you. Some of us, we are controlled by the school of hard knocks. That is life. When life gives you a knock, you say, ah, God's word is true. And life is, oh, I should have listened to God. But we are supposed to be self-controlled, not giving too much wine. Amen? Teachers of good things. Not teachers of African proverbs. It is a crocodile who is at the river that can hear the cough. You see, some of us, we don't have anything in us. There is no word of God um, invested in our lives. So when people come to you for counseling, they leave worse off without knowing. Because we, we, we transmit human wisdom to them. You see, and we transmit African proverbs and wise sayings. And some of us, we even move to Aristotle and Socrates. And therefore, we think that if Aristotle said it or Socrates said it, then it means that it is very sensible. But it's not everything a wise man on earth has said that is very sensible, if it is contrary to God's word. Amen? So we have to be teachers of good things. It means there are people who are teachers of bad things. Some people, when you go to them with your marital problem, say, oh, a man is not a pillow that you sleep on. <laughs> Let me tell you something, young lady. A man is not a pillow that you sleep on. But if the word is not God's word, it's not divine, and it doesn't have a certain effect. But this same, a man is not a pillow that you sleep on. There's a verse for it. Cursed be he who puts his trust in man. Amen? And cares be he who puts in trust in woman. It's not only man. Man as in flesh. Amen? So we are supposed to be teachers of good things. 
But it's not everybody who is a teacher of good things. Some people are uh, godfathers of very bad things. And in secondary school, you nurtured people to, to, to show them how to do bad things. You see, one of our young pastors in our church, he told me, oh, uh, your, your brother, Prophet Kakra, when he didn't know God, he was my godfather. I said, what do you mean? He said, oh, he took me to nightclubs and then he showed me how to, I said, that's a very bad godfather. So in that case, he's not a teacher of good things. <laughs> Amen? But the Bible is saying, the older woman should have all these four qualifications. And then what must she teach the young women? What is the mothering of young women that must go on? Number four, chapter four, verse four. <laughs> that they may teach the young women to be sober. I didn't know soberness could be taught. I didn't know at all that soberness could be taught. But... What does it mean, Lady Reverend, to be sober? We must be sober in different areas of our lives. Sober means you are temperate and controlled. Amen? The Bible says, be sober and yet be vigilant. For your adversary, the devil, prowls round like a roaring lion, Seeking whom he may devour. So one of the things is to be sober. To be sober means to have your senses around you. To be sober means not to be wild. Because when you are wild, when something is going on around you, you may not pick it up. And to be sober spills into different areas of our lives. We have to be sober in our dressing, ladies. Amen? Amen? And the Bible is saying the young women should teach the older women. The older women should teach the young women. But I want to say that for that to happen, the young women must have a teachable spirit. Because I have gone to talk to a young woman before that, you know, this dress you are wearing, you are showing us all the good of the world, which is really for your husband, not for us. And... She had a contorted face for the rest of the service. Very, very, very angry. Maybe thinking like these days, they say, you can't judge anybody by their clothes. It's freedom. We can all do what we like. No, no, no. I'm an adult. I can decide what. But the Bible says we should teach the younger women these things. Why? So that the gospel will not be blasphemed. Could it be that by not being sober even in our dressing, we have turned many away from Christ. Could it be that by not being sober in even our emotions, you know, when you are not sober, you do things and when you finish, you regret. Amen? But the Christian woman, the older woman, is supposed to teach the younger woman to be sober. But whether the younger woman is teachable is also another. Because you can't go to a school or impart anything when the person is not ready to learn. You cannot. And that is what is killing the networking of women in the church. Now, an older woman can say, oh, your time has passed. That's why you are saying, I shouldn't wear this skirt up to here. Your time has passed. We are saying, don't wear the skirt up to here because you are not a kiosk. You are a temple of the living God. <laughs> Amen with a kiosk 
everybody can buy some. A lot of kiosk, everybody goes. But a temple, we approach it with reverence. And the Bible says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the living God? Amen. So you can look good without so much compromise. You know, I ask, sometimes I tell my young daughters, as they are going, I say, ah, are you coming from a home or you are coming from somewhere else? I, I don't get it. And my mother used to say, as you are going, when you meet anybody in town, I say, who is your mother? Don't mention my name. <laughs> don't mention my name because I cannot be associated with this. So young women must allow themselves to be taught. Usually an older woman will teach you from her mistakes. And she will teach you from the good things she has learned. And she will teach you to prevent you from certain things. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Amen, young ladies. Amen. But because of sauciness, we are not able to get far. And because older women sometimes also can be bitter, they just look at you and say, ah, you are standing on your high heels. Very soon you'll be wearing flats, you'll be there. I used to have a lady in my church every day, high heels, and then she used to ask me, but why? Why can't people find time for themselves? I said, like how? Do you mean Bible study, putting God first? No. Like, you know, they don't do their hair, everyday pony. Why? Why can't they? I said, hey, sister. She had just gotten married. She said, I curl my hair, Lady Reverend, every day. Every day. I said, eh, do you read your Bible also that much? <laughs> but I think people should take care of them. So I said, okay, we are here. <laughs> Later, I saw her at Salaga, the fish market. Hey, so this some black polythene bag, <laughs> some anemic pony. She's walking. <laughs> I said, hey, sister, hello. So hello, Lady Reverend. I said, oh, but look at you. And it's a Lady Reverend, it's not easy. One child crying all the night. My husband too comes. He expects me to be. I said, what about the killing of the Lady Reverend? Don't bring that now. I'm not saying you shouldn't look nice when you are pregnant. But I'm saying that sometimes immaturity makes us shoot our mouths too quickly. Amen. To be sober is also to be sober in our emotions and our desires. Eve was not sober in her emotions and her desires. We don't have time to read it. But the Bible says when she saw the fruit, that it was good to the eyes, pleasant to the eyes, and to be desired, then she went for it. Sometimes we women move too much by our eyes and our desires. From the time of Eve, it has been so. But we need to be sober, self-controlled in our emotions. Sometimes people have called me, a true story, Lady Reverend, I'm leaving this man. I said, oh, he's begging you. He's asking you to give him another chance. No, 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 Lady Reverend. It's enough. I'm leaving. I'm I'm then, two months later, I get a phone call. I said, who is this? Who is this? On the phone. Lady Reverend, I want my husband back. <laughs> because you took the decision being carried by emotions. Romans 8, 14. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, not as are led by their emotions. When we say Jesus is Lord, it means our emotions are not Lord, but the word of God is the Lord of our lives. So we need to come to that place where our emotions are sober. Amen. 
Let's run through quickly. To love their husbands. The Bible says we should teach younger women to love. I thought you married him because you loved him. But if you are mature, you will know that sometimes you have to be taught to love the man you said I do too. Because the Bible says as soon as, as so far as we live in this world, seed time and harvest, day and night, summer and winter, they will not cease. There can never be one season in this life. And there are times in your married life when your husband does not come across as lovable. And that is when we will teach you that 1 Corinthians 13 is a better foundation than the goosebumps that were going through you when you thought you had fallen in love. 1 Corinthians 13 says, amongst other things, love is patient. Love suffers long and is kind. It's not in any romantic movie. It's not in any book. But the Bible says we should teach you to love your husband. And we can only teach you according to the word of God. Love suffers. First of all, we never knew that love suffers, number one. Number two, that it suffers long. It's also a bomb. And number three, as it's suffering long, it is kind. Oh my goodness. It can only be divine love. And that is why we have to be taught. It doesn't come naturally to always love your husband. It doesn't come naturally to always love your wife. You see, before you marry, we have to talk, tell you, stop fornicating. Keep yourself pure. This is, but when you marry, you can get so angry, you don't want even your little toe to touch your husband. And that is when the teaching to love your husband comes in. And we must allow ourselves to be taught to love our husbands. Amen. Amen. To love the children, their children. It's not always that children are so cute. You see, when you bath them and you dress them, you bring them out, they look so cute. But in real life, they are not always so cute. And there are times when we have to be taught how to love them and yet still discipline them. That is a teaching that must come also. And all these are enshrined in God's word. Amen. To be discreet. To be discreet. To be chaste. Keepers at home. To be discreet is to be somebody who is not so loud. Not loud in your speech, loud in your talk, loud in the way you even carry yourself. Everything loud, everything out there. No, to be discreet. And even you need discretion to be in the ministry. You need discretion to be in marriage. You need discretion. I mean, you have to exercise some discretion. Amen. I will not have time to teach so much on that. But the Bible says that the younger women should be admonished that they dress with shamefacedness and sobriety. It's like you, you, you should even dress as if you are a bit shy. But nowadays, <laughs> there's nothing like that. Amen. And I didn't write the Bible. To be chaste means to be pure. And when the Holy Spirit lives in us, it gives us the power to be pure. That is the difference between us and unbelievers. Unbelievers have New Year's resolution. Amen? But we have the Holy Spirit because without the Holy Spirit, we cannot live this life that God has called us to. But the Bible says God is at work in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Amen. So whatever God wills for us, he will give us the will and the ability to do it. And so to be chaste is to be pure. I was just talking to my husband and he said, oh, a pastor from somewhere, he's in Mozambique. He said, 
a pastor from somewhere has flown to, to me to come and see me. And I'm like, really? I know this pastor from somewhere. I said, why? Why has he flown all the way to come and see you? So because his wife is seeing somebody else. <laughs> These days, I don't know whether it's the internet. I don't know. We are changing our cultures. We are because if you do, I'll do. But our lives is unto God, not unto any man. And the Bible says we should teach you to be chaste. But now the modern woman says, if you go, I'll go. If you do, I'll do. You try me and see. And we feel that it is even a medal that we wear. We are supposed to teach the younger women to be chaste. Keep us at home. That's why people don't like it. I've listened to many radio callings. I'm a modern woman of the 21st century, you know. If you come, you're hungry. I'll just give you a cup of tea and you have to, I mean, sort yourself out. I did counseling and then I was telling the lady, the Bible says we should teach you to be keepers at home. So we are going to do this chapter called The Total Wife. And I pray that you would listen to that. Lady Reverend, I'm a corporate woman. And so when I come home every evening, I just have fruit and yogurt. So that's what I'm going to give this man. Fruit and an Ashanti man from Bekwai. <laughs> We're going to give him fruit and yogurt. It just doesn't add up. Amen, ladies. The Bible says we should teach you to be keepers at home. Amen. I, when I look at it, I say, ah, but the people in the church, didn't they have biological mothers? Didn't they come from homes? But we all come from different backgrounds. And the church is somewhere God is trying to help us offload our baggage. Some of us, it's not our fault, but we can't cook. My mother used to tell me that if you don't cook good soup, they'll put it in a bottle and send it to your husband's people or your, your mother's, your, your family to show that this is how you... So if the Bible is saying older women should teach younger women to be keepers at home, then that is God's way. Amen. But I'm thankful for the virtuous woman. The Bible says that she has many, 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 many maidens and servants around her. So at least she has people to help her. Amen. But at the end of the day, she's the one who is in charge. Young ladies, you may say, well, I'll just get a cook and I'll just get a... But service is beautiful. Remember, Rebecca, it was at the well. She just gave water to the servant. And in those days, servants used to wear servants' robes. And she just gave water to the servant and said, Oh, shall I give water to your donkeys too? Honestly, I don't like carrying very heavy things. So I wonder if I were Rebecca. I'll tell the man, let me give you a bucket so that you can get some water for yourself. But... She gave, and then she gave the donkeys, and that's what the man had prayed for. And the Bible says that, and he, wandering at her, said, who is your father? Which home are you from? Lead me. Today I've found a wife for Isaac. So young ladies, it's not how long your nails are. It's not how long your eyebrows are from here to the wall. But it is your spirit of service and keeping, being a keeper at home. It doesn't mean don't go to work, but it means balance your things well and be in charge of your home. Because if you abdicate that throne, somebody else would take it with other duties. And then you say, I'm this maid, I don't like the way she's now chummy chummy with my husband. 
you gave room to it. Keep us at home. Keep us at home. It is said that the way to a man's stomach, uh, to the man's heart, is through the stomach. Whether it's true, it's an African proverb. <laughs> but I believe that it works. That is why when Jacob made food for Isaac, all his mind went. And then he didn't even see that it's not Esau. And that he blessed him. Because when a man has eaten, he is well. And anything you ask him, he will give you. Whether he has eaten from the kitchen or eaten from the bedroom, he is happy on all counts. <laughs> Amen. Some of you didn't get that. <laughs> so to be keepers at home, it is something that has to be learned. We can't just sit and say, Oh, as for me, I wasn't brought up like that lady, Reverend. As for me, I never knew. You can always learn. And even for those of us who were taught, you should never think I've arrived. You see, every day you are cooking stew. Can you not add some small baking to what you do? Can you not up your game a bit? How come you are always trying to get promotion at work, but not trying to get promotion at home? I think that something is wrong. And we need to go back to the Bible and not fight our roles. The fact that I'm a keeper at home doesn't mean I'm a doormat or that I am of no price. It doesn't mean that. But it means that I take my place, you take your place, and then we all flow beautifully. Amen. <laughs> to be good, to teach them to be good, obedient to their own husbands. Because we are very good at being obedient to our bosses. We are very good at being obedient to our pastors. But we are not good at being obedient to our own husbands. To somebody else's husband, yes, you will be good. Do you know why? Because with your own husband, there are too many departments. The finance department, the wet towel on the bed department, the throwing the socks about department. So many things come in. But to somebody you are not married to, what he uses his money for, what it, it doesn't concern you. Whether he gives you enough money or not for the children, it doesn't concern you. Whether he leaves a wet towel on his bed or not, it doesn't concern you. So many areas in his life don't come into your life. But with somebody who is your own husband, all those departments come in. The Bible says the older women should teach the younger women to be obedient. Obedient, not rebellious to their own husbands. Oh, Lady Reverend, you don't know. Some of us have very difficult husbands. I know that. Go and ask Abigail. She was married to Nabal. The Bible says Nabal was a very great man, and yet he was a fool. So you can be very great. He had so much, 3,000 cattle, which is like cars. So he had 3,000 fleets of cars. He was a powerful man in the corporate world, but domestically, I didn't say it. He was a fool. <laughs> And how do you get married to such a person? But with wisdom. The Bible says Abigail was a woman of good understanding. So with good understanding, you can marry that difficult person. Amen? With wisdom, you will know how to go about When David's people came and Abigail didn't know, that shows breakdown of communication between the couple. And then a servant had to inform her that, you know, uh, David's people came and Nabal treated them very roughly and all Abigail, being the woman of wisdom, she saddled raisins, figs, bread, meat, and sent it ahead. 
and then said, go, I'm coming. But she didn't go and deal with Nabal in the bedroom, which you and I will do. And by the time we have finished, David's army will be on us and kill us. But Abigail was a wise woman. So she went first to David. And she went and she pleaded with David. And then when she came back, Nabal was having a party. And then the Bible says she informed Nabal that I'd been here and I'd done that. So even the time to speak is even wisdom. It's not every time a woman has to speak. And I have learned personally not to speak when the man is speaking because then it becomes not a discussion but a debate. <laughs> and so it's better to listen to the person. What does the Bible say? Be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. But we are quick to speak and slow to hear. And so when you are able to listen and to hear, then after that, you can bring your point. But if you behave as if you are in court, you see in court, we're always looking for the loophole of the other person. So you're on your feet like that. You are thinking, you are thinking. The person says, so you get a objection, my Lord, because based on this, don't bring it to your marriage. It's not a courtroom. Neither is there a jury. Amen, ladies? Amen. <laughs> Obedient to their own husbands. It's not always easy, but God will give you grace. Some of us think, oh, if I married a man of God, I will not have all these problems. It is true, but a man of God is really a man before of God. <laughs> Amen, ladies. And the Bible says every high priest taken from among men, every high priest taken from among men, not among angels. So yes, Men of God love God and they fear God, but you will still have to deal with the man part of the man of God and the woman of God. Amen. Amen. So what the Bible says, obedient to their own husbands. It is important. The Bible is saying we should teach you how to be obedient. I've preached extensively on all this, but when people go and they are buying things, they'll buy hair, they'll buy handbags, they'll buy, but they will never invest in the word of God. They will never invest in things that will change their lives. They will never invest in divine things. We always invest in earthly things, and no wonder we have earthly results, but obedient to their own husbands. What does 1 Peter 3 say? It says that, wives should be obedient to their husbands so that if they obey not the word, they may by your behavior be won over. So it's not only the word that wins people to Christ, but your behavior is able to win many to Christ. Amen, ladies. Disobedient to their own husbands. Why? That the word of God be not blasphemed. So that God's word will not be dirtied. God's word will not look ineffective. God's word will not, will not be denied or refused by other people. And that can only happen when older women nurture younger women. And older women can only nurture younger women if younger women will also defer to an older woman. When Mary went into Elizabeth's house, the Bible says Mary saluted Elizabeth. She showed her some respect. So if you're a young woman, also show the older woman some respect. And then based on that, the older woman can speak into your life. An older woman was Naomi, and she was able to speak into Ruth's life. She said to Ruth, what happened when you went to work? 
And when Ruth said everything, Naomi said, get up, wash yourself, anoint yourself, go to where Boaz is. But please don't go and undress him. Go and sleep at his feet. And when he wakes up, let him know that you came there. And after that, Ruth left quickly. And it was Naomi's counsel that led Ruth to the husband that she had lost to be restored. That is what happens when an older woman mothers or nurtures a younger woman. And I pray that it will start to be so in the church. That rivalry amongst women will come to an end. And that we will network with each other. The older women will be teachers of good things. And the younger women will be teachable. And the glory of God will come. God bless you. Stand to your feet, please. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You are here this morning. Yes, you came to church. Yes, it's Mother's Day. But I cannot go away without giving you an opportunity to get right with God. You want to say, Lady Reverend, pray for me. I'm not sure whether I'll go to heaven or hell when I die. Lady Reverend, I've been playing games with God. But I want to give my life to Christ now. You are like that here this morning. Forget about who is on your left or who is on your right. We mean business with God this morning. If you are like that here, let your hands go high above your shoulder. And give me the privilege of praying with you. Let your hands go high up. Lady Reverend, pray for me. I need to give my life to Christ. I need to rededicate my life. I need to be serious with God. Let your hands go high up above your shoulder. And I'll pray with you. God bless you. God bless you. I see your hands. Will you quickly come to the front, please? Give me the privilege of leading you to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Come. Come. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. He's the living water. He makes all the difference. Come. Come from the back, from the middle, wherever you are. Come to the cross. Come to the cross. Come to the cross. And if you've come for it, Please say this prayer after me and mean it with all your heart. Dear Jesus, say this prayer after me and mean it with all your heart. Dear Jesus, this morning I come to you just as I am. Take my life and come into my life and become the Lord and the master of my life. Forgive me for my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross to save me. And thank you for rising from the dead so that I may have eternal life. Jesus, today marks a new beginning. As you have come into my life, let your works be complete in my life. In Jesus' name. Father, I break every power of the enemy over these lives. I set them free. And I pray, O oh God, that this seed in them will grow. I pray that you will give them the strength by the Holy Spirit to live for you. 
And I pray, oh God, that you'll make their lives beautiful. That in turn, Lord, they'll touch other lives. Thank you for salvation and new life in Jesus Christ, which begins now. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I want to pray for all of us. Lord, I pray that as followers of Christ, we will not be people who blaspheme the gospel. But I pray that, Lord, we'll take our place and nurture younger women. The younger women will also defer to older women like Mary did to Elizabeth. The Lord, together we will network and build an army that will extend your kingdom. I pray and bless your people, Lord. Bless them. Let no sorrow be added. And for every burden that has been brought here this morning, Jesus, you said that we should take your yoke, for your yoke is easy and your burden is light. You said all that our burden should come to you. This morning, take the burdens of your people and give them miracles in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. I have a few books to give you. God bless you. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi. Or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.